to our brand new series. I want to ask you to actually stand with us before we move on this morning, please. I think it's always so tempting when we get into a series like this for us to uh, kind of hope that someone else is listening. Maybe the person that you came to church with today, or the person that didn't come to church with you, or if you're watching online, maybe the person that's still lying in bed and you're like, oh, I wish they were listening to this and paying attention. Um, I want to encourage you, the Bible's very clear about not trying to take inappropriate responsibility for somebody else, but actually taking appropriate responsibility for ourselves, looking in the mirror, and, and having a posture of humility that is constantly saying, God, what are you saying to me? What are you pointing out to me? Where are you trying to get my attention? What does obedience look like? And in a case like this, where we're going to be talking about family values, and, and by family, I'm referring to spiritual and biological. So please don't see yourself as being excluded if you don't think you fit into some neat uh, kind of nuclear physical, biological family scenario. No, no, we, we, God invites us into His family. So some of you would experience a closer connection to to brothers or sisters or spiritual parents than what you do to biological. That's okay. We can invest into these relationships intentionally as we commit to practicing the correct value. So come on, let's prepare our hearts. Let's open our minds. Father, we invite you, please, to do anything that you're wanting to do in us. Lord, please help us to be present, to slow down, to not just be spectators listening, but to actually be participants of saying, God, help me to, even if it's one thought, even if it's one principle, even if it's one idea, God, help us to see those in our lives through your eyes. God, would you encourage us with vision where you need to encourage us with vision? Would you give us hope where we need hope? Would you give us patience and perspective where we need to, where we need to trust you with what might be an enormous mess, or in some cases, even a great deal of pain. God, I pray that nothing that is shared in this series would actually contribute towards unnecessary pain, towards unnecessary brokenness, towards an unnecessary sense of loss. But God, that we would just constantly be trying to discern what it is that you're, that you're inviting us to. God, please help us not to compare. Please help us not to look at what we think might be an ideal scenario, an ideal family, an ideal marriage, ideal kids, or ideal friends. God, help us, to, help us to actually reject that temptation and to look at our lives. Ours is the only life that we're actually fully responsible for. God, help us to even be grateful where maybe that's difficult and to be genuinely surrendered and submitted to your will for our lives. Not your will for someone else's life, your will for our lives. So please give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to understand, and hearts to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can go ahead and take your seats, unless you're watching online, in which case I assume you're already very, very, very comfortable. So try hard not to, uh, not to relax too much, or to certainly not to fall asleep. Um, but as you'll probably assume, we're going to be making a case for uh, how much God actually values family. 
And again, I, I'm not gonna keep telling you this, but, but I need you to just apply the, the language and the terminology. So I'm not gonna keep telling you whether it's a spiritual family or your biological family. There are, there are just too many disclaimers for me to, to offer. Guys, forgive me, I think I've made a bit of a mistake with this microphone, and I think that's why we're experiencing a bit of that echo. Hmm, let's try this. Give us a second. I know it doesn't look nice, but tell me if it sounds any better. Probably not. Oh, now it's really tucked away, hey? Wait, is that better? Yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. All right, I'll try not to uh, do anything inappropriate in my throat. That sounds terrible <laughs> to the rest of you. Okay, so, so guys, family, biological or spiritual, it is God's school, it's God's hospital, it's God's counseling room, it's God's army, it's, it's where we learn, where we grow, where we experience pain and failure and disappointment, and where we get over pain and disappointment and failure, and where we learn to forgive and, and be merciful. Um, so often, without us maybe even thinking about it consciously, just, just subconsciously, we may often be tempted to think, you know what, I'd be a much better Christian if I just didn't have this family. Like, like I'd be a nicer person, I'd be more patient, I'd be more kind if I just didn't have these people in my life. Think about that for a moment. Is it possible that where you are experiencing discomfort or irritation or frustration, that that could be exactly where God is trying to get your attention? Is it possible that that could be exactly, precisely where God is trying to form us? There aren't too many places where we are formed more than in family because it's who you kind of do life with most. And again, family, that, that could be, you know, maybe you're living with housemates, or, or in some cases, I know in some cases, some of you are living with a whole truckload of people in one small dwelling. So it's not even just like one family, in some cases it's multiple families. Or maybe, you know, you, you do life with, with people at the office or at school. And it's so tempting for us to think, you know what, if I can just get another job, or once I'm finished school, if I can just get into a different, you know, lecture room next, next term, you know, when I'm kind of focusing on a different major. Maybe I can get away from these people that are making me such a bad person. Guys, I'm saying that God is actually wanting to, I'm not saying that he's okay with everything that goes on in your life, but I'm saying that in so many cases, he's actually wanting to use those circumstances to help us become like Jesus. If you're new to church, we talk about the term spiritual formation, which is just another way of saying that to be spiritually matured or to become a disciple, to be discipled, to be mature in God. What that means, spiritual formation, is Jesus taking us through, or God taking us through a process. It's always a process. I'd love for it to be instant, but it's a process of becoming like Jesus. So it's the, it's the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. When we constantly remember that, we're less surprised by the fact that where I'm not like Christ, that's gonna to come to the surface. It's not gonna surprise me that God might use that parent or that spouse or that girlfriend or that girlfriend's family or, or that person you know, in your life. It's less surprising and discouraging to realize, okay, maybe this is an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to learn. There are so many one another passages in the Bible about, about praying for one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another, bringing out the best in one another, forgiving one another. There, there are passages about iron sharpening iron 
And we think, well, you know, and sometimes we're restricted to thinking that that's only in the context of, of friendships, but, but where is iron going to rub up against iron more than in family? God wants to use the relationships that we are closest with. And it does take effort. And no, it's almost never as perfect and neat and tidy as what you see in media. It's less sexy. It's, 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 it's less dreamy. But I actually think that it can be way deeper. I think it can be so much richer you will struggle to find anything to watch as far as series goes or movies go or, or, to, or to get any kind of perception from, a, you know, from, from just following social media that's going to give you an, an accurate, rounded sense of, hey, this is worth fighting for. Hey, this is imperfect. This isn't the ideal. This isn't just sentimental. No, no, this takes effort. And I believe that in, not in every case, because it does take two people, but in so many cases, the relationships that we're going to have are going to be the result of our intentionality and whether or not we put the right values into place. Guys, please, I have such a burden to encourage us not to settle for living vicariously through online or media-driven relationships that actually give us a taste of what we think it means to be connected. So, so, so you, can, you can binge watch a series and, and, and actually experience a version of romance and a version of love or, 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 or a version of some type of fantasy, but it's not real life. It is a, it's counterfeit. It's a facade. And it will always overpromise and underdeliver. God actually has the real thing, I believe available for us, but it's a lot harder and it does take more effort than just clicking and, and feeling lacquer and, oh, she got the guy or he got the girl or he got revenge, lacquer. <laughs> Guys, think about it. We are emotional people. So, 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 and, that's, and that's how media keeps us hooked because it makes us feel something. And I'm, please, I don't want to sound like some weird cultic leader who's got spittle dripping off of a beard that I can't grow, but I, but I am telling you <laughs> that I think... I think, guys, we are, we are still in the early stages of living in this, in this kind of media on tap world that we're living in the, over the last few years. I honestly think that people are increasingly losing the capacity for healthy relationships. Because, because it's just so, because we are formed by what we give our attention to. So, so if we're gonna give five hours a day to garbage, and, and, what, and, what, and what whoever the producers are, and the dark, whatever they're trying to feed us, it's, it's, like, it's like, guys, we are going to feel something. That's why you keep watching. You don't want to click onto the next episode and watch the next installment unless you, you feel something. And I think that is going to cause us to become numb. It's like any other drug. You, you, you need more and more to experience the dopamine hit or to experience that high. And we land up actually becoming increasingly disconnected from those that God has actually called us to enjoy the closest relationships with. Try and avoid giving any energy, because it's just pointless, to what is often a distorted highlight reel from the past. When you maybe 
reminisce over a past relationship. Well, there's a reason it didn't work out. Or to waste energy on fantasizing about the future. Or what it could be if I could just get out of this and get into that. I know it's a cliche, but the grass is greener where you water it most. The grass is greener where you, now yes, there are disclaimers, and yes, you may have a dysfunctional parent or a dysfunctional relative, or, a dysfun or you, may, you may be in a horribly dysfunctional relationship. I, I get that. Again, I can't speak into every one of those iterations, but I'm saying that for the mo in so many cases, grass is going to be greener where we water it most. Let's give it attention. Let's give it time. Let's give it energy. By the way, grass, I think, also tends to be greener, if you, if you really think about it, where there's more fertilizer. That's poo. Manure. Sometimes it stinks, right? If you've ever had a neighbor or someone that, that, that's close to you that puts stuff, you're like, what are you doing? Like, how is this possibly worth that? Because this is uncomfortable right now. Like, you're, like, you stink. How do you go to bed smelling that and wake up smelling that? And, you know, and, it, and it's not like it goes away in a day. But over time, you see a lushness, a richness, a depth. Guys, the grass is greener where we water it most, and if we're willing to endure with some of, the, some of the manure. And it's not just gonna be because we hope. It's not gonna be just because we have good intentions. Jesus said the following in Matthew 7 verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, not, not you've heard them, you like them, you even agree with them, you can write a paper on them. No, no. Who puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose. So guys, like, I feel like if you read the New Testament properly, like you almost walk away with the impression that God's guaranteeing that there are going to be storms in life. You're going to have trouble, Jesus said in John 16, 33. Like, like there are going to be seasons so it is going to come. So, so right now, you may not see a difference between somebody's life who's built on the rock versus the person who's built on the sand. But, but when the storms come, when COVID-19 comes, when you experience tragedy or loss, tension, stress, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen with your work, with your business, that's when you start to see what our lives are built on. Even though all these things came, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. However, verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine, so he's saying, he's saying there are two groups of people that all hear the same words, but does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And I'm, I'm just wanting to encourage you. God's not trying to be mean when he says this. Some of you have experienced a great crash in your life. And you may, you may feel, you, you, you could still be reeling from some of the pain of that. My encouragement to you is not to get mad at God, but to actually respond to God where he gives you wisdom and saying, no, no, there's a way to build where it won't all come crashing down. That doesn't mean that there won't be pain, that there won't be discomfort or storms. No, no, it just means that there is a way to build. In fact, I heard another pastor, Jimmy Evans, make reference. I love this illustration of how it's, it's more comfortable for us to lie on the sand. Because if you lie on the sand the sand takes the shape of you, right? So, so, so the sand is conformed to your body. It's less comfortable if you've ever tried to lie on a rock 
because the rock doesn't change, you, like your body is conformed to the rock. See, and that's the difference between people's approaches to God and Christianity, is am I trying to make God fit into what I want to make me comfortable, or am I allowing Him to change me, to, to cause me to be conformed to Him? So, there are so many different principles and practices. We're going we're gonna to look at just a few of them over this series. Again, if you're here for the work series, you'll probably be left feeling like, you know, we didn't cover everything. We won't. We can't. But today I want to talk about three very quick principles or practices. That is simply to be present, patient, and kind. To actually commit to being present, patient, and kind. The reason for that is because I believe that that's one of the greatest descriptions of love. And obviously family is built on love. In fact, Jesus said that the entire library of Scripture is summed up. So all 66 books that, that you'll find in your Bible, he said, are summed up in the single principle. Love God and love people. Love, so he's like, it is, it is a kingdom of love. Am I maturing? Well, it doesn't matter how much I know. Am I loving more? Am I more present? Am I more patient? Am I more kind? If you want to be a godly husband, wife, father, mother, daughter, son, friend, colleague, partner in ministry, well, am I growing in love? Am I growing in presence, patience, and kindness? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, very well-known passage for many people. This is one of the early church leaders. Paul speaking, he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, in other words, if I can be really spiritual but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And some of you have been in churches. Maybe you even know people in this church. I hope not, but maybe you do. Where, where it seems like, they, they just seem so spiritual. But there's something that's like, ugh, about them. Because, because as much as they seem to know stuff, they, like, why does it just feel like, like there's an edge to it? And it's amazing how we can use spirituality to actually hurt people. Verse 2, if I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge... And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And I'm just telling you that the older I get, the longer I serve God, and the more I want to grow, the more that passage like, humbles me and scares me in a good way. In a sense of, like, I know a fair bit. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. If I'm growing in knowledge, if, I, if I'm growing in my, in my understanding of God's plan, but I'm not loving people closest to me the most. And by the way, it's, it's easier to put on the facade of loving people that are further away from you. Love is by far measured the most by those that are closest to us. I realized a few years ago that it's, it's a lot easier and by the way, rewarding for me to do a quick favor for someone in the church who thinks like, wow, Jason's such a nice guy, than what it is to get up and do the dishes at home. And no one, even, and no one thanks you. No one's like... You are so godly, you are so kind, you are so courageous. Like no one's Instagramming about washing dishes or picking up the dog's poo. Because that's love. Guys, you can be a hero. To, how do you think affairs are begun? I, I mean, I'm oversimplifying this, but obviously someone else makes you feel better. But it's much easier to make someone feel better that you only see at work every now and then or that you only meet online. Hey, live with that person. I don't have experience, I'm just telling you. I know people, and people are people. 
Guys, we have an enemy. He's no fool. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to, even where there is legitimate brokenness and, 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 and baggage with parents and, and all this, he, he, wants to f- he wants to fan that thing into fire because he knows the power, more than we know the power, I think, of unity, of love, of how we can grow. Verse three, he says, if I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body. I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And I'm just telling you, I've, I've, I've known people, I've seen scenarios where great good is being done, but there's a level of hatred involved. The most disturbing conference I ever went to was on justice, but there was this tone of hatred towards anyone who didn't think exactly the same and do exactly the same. And I was like, there's something toxic and sick about this environment. Doing the right things for the wrong... Guys, without love. He goes on. In verse four, love is patient, love is kind. You don't have to do a a thesis on love. You don't have to read volumes and volumes of book, books on love. I'm telling you that if we can only, if we can just catch a revelation of these two things, to be patient and to be kind for the right reasons. So not like, guys, we can all fake it for a bit. Like you can fake it yet. You can all look amazing and sweet and friendly and warm and then you get into the car or you get back home. No, no, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying legit. When, when no one else is around, when the real ass comes out, I'm saying if I can, and, and it doesn't, I don't have to feel it. I don't have to feel patient. In fact, chances are you're not gonna feel patient if your patience is being tested. So patience is a choice. Love is a choice. Yes, love can involve emotions, that's great, but that's, but that's like a payoff, that's, that's a reward. That's not, that's not the engine. The engine is commitment, my commitment, my vow has to be stronger than my feelings in that particular moment. Love is patient and kind, it's how I react and it's how I am proactive. Any relationship is gonna grow at least, at least, even if the other person is resistant, at least, just a little bit better, just a little less painful, just a, just a little bit healthier. If we're gonna grow in being present, in being pa- patient and in being kind. Okay, he goes on to say a whole bunch more stuff but we're running out of time, you can go read that at home. So these three ideas, present, patient, kind. Being present. When I was preparing this message, I, 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 I don't know if it was God, I think it was, but I'll, I'll be very careful to ever say God said. But I feel like God reminded me of the story of Moses at the beginning of the book of Exodus, especially from chapter 2. Where Pharaoh wants to kill all the, the Hebrew boys two years and under. Moses is born his parents are able to hide him for a few months and then his mother like, has to release him to God and puts him into a basket that's, you know, that's waterproofed and flows down a river. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, takes him in. He goes to live with Pharaoh. So the, so the very man that's trying to kill him, actually, right, is the man who he goes to live with. Now, many of us, especially if we watch lots of series, are like, lacquer. See? <laughs> Joke's on him. He thought he could kill him. Like, 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 I mean, it's just, it's a great story. But I think we're thinking way too superficially. 
We're thinking, ah, oh, you see, he's getting to sleep in your palace and use your wealth and eat your food and, 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 and all the while God's, you know, saving him to deliver the very people that you're trying to kill. But that's only reading part of the story. If you go on, you know that, that Moses' sister, Miriam, she's following the basket. She sees Pharaoh's daughter take him out of the water and says to him, oh, he must be one of the Hebrew children. Should I go and find a Hebrew woman that can nurse him? And she finds, well, finds. She goes and gets her mom and brings her mom to Pharaoh's daughter. And in my opinion, so the Bible isn't clear about this. It says, it says that she nursed him for, for a while and, and when he had weaned, you know, was weaned off, he went back to the palace. I, to me, it's a logical conclusion that she had to have kept a very present influence in his life that when you read later in Hebrews 11, it says that, that, that Moses did not choose the wealth and luxury of the Egyptians. He was committed to the cause of Christ, and that's why he was willing to give it all up in order to deliver the Hebrews. I'm saying that the only way for that to happen, in my opinion, is if his mother had remained present in his life and had sown the seeds that formed him into a deliverer. We think God calls a deliverer like, boom, pixie dust. Okay, boom. He's, he's gone from a spoiled, you know, palace living, uh, you know, young guy to deliverer. No, no. A deliverer is formed. Your kids are formed. The relationships in your life, they are formed. I am convinced that Moses was formed by a present mother. Now, I also want to point out to you that the circumstances were far from ideal. He wasn't living with them. I want to encourage you, if you're a single parent, if you're divorced, if, 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 if your access is limited to your family, I want to tell you that circumstances don't have to be ideal. In fact, I would argue that they almost never are. It's all relative, but yeah, you had a mother who was willing to do what she could. She could either focus on what she couldn't do and allow, that to, and allow the enemy to use that to discourage her and to, and to suck the oxygen, you know, to keep her from actually doing what she could. Guys, we need to be present. I'm very mindful of time, so let me just give you a couple of examples. I, I think that you want to find any opportunity, whether, whether you are walking your kids to the bus or to school, whether you are driving in the morning. For, for, for me, and, and over the years with, with our daughters, for some reason, the time in the car has often been the most focused, uninterrupted time. My, my one daughter is very clear that she doesn't want me making phone calls or responding to messages during that time. So I obey like a, like a very obedient father. And, and a lot of the most important conversations we've had has been in those, in those focused, in-between bits where, where, where we're not being interrupted. Or if your kids are still small and you're so frustrated having to go and lie with them every night and read a story and listen to their story and pray with them. Guys, you see, movies aren't made up of all the in-between bits. It's made up of the highlights. But lives are formed in the other 99%, that's not recorded. Yeah. Be present. I think, I don't, I, I think we would, I think we struggle to even begin to imagine the power of having a consistent meal together without the TV on, which we struggle with, because sometimes we just, we just wanna just chill. So we, we're still trying to get better at that. But it's being present. I think that we need to look for opportunities to have time with those in our lives that are face-to-face, so actually, like when I say face to face, not, you know, if this is your device, uh, uh-huh, yeah, 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, no. No, no. Like devices are off or turned over or inside. And an uninterrupted face-to-face time. If your eyes have to dart away, that should be a warning bell. Heart-to-heart. So we actually, so face-to-face is just where you may be sharing superficial facts, etc. But guys, create opportunity. I think, I think the more consistent we are with that, the more we'll stumble onto opportunities to share heart-to-heart. Because that's obviously where the real stuff takes place. Where you can actually share about what you're feeling. Share about what you care about. What's bothering you? What's burdening you? Some of you know the story with our, our, our oldest daughter, who's, who's technically an asylum seeker, been with us for, I don't know, 12, 13 years. Um, came to the country as, as a young girl. Our most significant moments have been, for, for me, that I can still think of over the years, have been going to the refugee center and waiting in line, which is incredibly frustrating and irritating and, and all the rest, but has been the most focused times over the years for us to have heart-to-heart conversations. It can't be done in a rush. It can't be done when we're distracted and skimming the surface of our lives, trying to juggle balls that, that, that are actually... I think that we allow balls that are crystal to fall to the ground because we're so focused on keeping the rubber balls up in the air. Worst case scenario, you could probably find another job, another I mean, it'll be frustrating, difficult, but you don't get to do your marriage over or do your kids over. Guys, they are, we're all juggling balls. Some of them are crystal, some of them are rubber. You need to figure out what is most important in terms of being present. Resist, resist the temptation to be discouraged and to give up because circumstances aren't perfect. Moses' mother chose, in my opinion, to be present. Be present. If you'll allow me to just riff for a moment with some alliteration. (laughs) I'm just telling you that I've seen enough families over the years to know that presence trumps privilege. Love trumps luxuries and affirmation beats affluence. I I do not want to over-romanticize poverty and struggling. It sucks, it's painful. In fact, in some cases, I think it's from the enemy. And there's there's so many reasons for that from a societal level, all all kinds of stuff. But I'm just telling you that the temptation that that we're gonna face often is between values. Do I think that this is going to provide more of what I, what I think I want for my family, or is this going to provide more of it? So, so I can think, well, if I can just provide a better, if, I can just, if we can just rent a better home, if we could just have a safer car, or if we could just have a car, or if we could go on a holiday, or... But when you're killing yourself off for 50 weeks a year to be able to go away for a week of the year, what do you think your family needs more? I think it's great if you can have both. So if you can, wonderful. But be very, very careful that we don't allow what we think is gonna provide for our family to take away what our family needs most. most. They need us to be present. Last two I'll be very quick with. We wanna be present. Secondly, we wanna be patient. Verse five of 1 Corinthians 13, verse five, 
I like the way it's mentioned in the NIV says, it does not dishonor, this is love, does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. That doesn't say it's not angered, but it's not easily angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't say there won't be wrong. It just says, like, like I don't keep a running tally that I can use against you. It is patient. Love is patient. I, I choose to think before I speak. I'm, I'm slow to anger. I'm quick to forgive. I'm slow to speak, which my family would say is almost never the case for me, and I'm quick to listen. Patience also means I'm going to persevere. I'm going to give up all of this overly romanticized, sentimentalized stuff, and I'm going to, I'm going to persevere in building what matters most over a lifetime. It's how we react. It's how we forgive. It's how quick we are to speak or understand. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but where I think patience helps us is, is so often in conflict where, where we choose to fight for the relationship than to be right or to win. Patience matters. Now, I was saying to our staff the other day that I think one of the challenges with modern day preaching is that sometimes there's a fine line between just sharing wisdom that could appear in any TED talk or any self-help book and okay, but where does Jesus make the difference? Because the principles I'm talking to you about, like this is just true whether you like it or not. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna be patient, if we're gonna forgive, if we're gonna be present, like, like that's, gonna, that's gonna make a difference no matter what. But where I think Jesus makes the difference, where I think the gospel makes the difference, the gospel which is grace, it's, it's that I'm saved by grace. I cannot earn it, I am, I am loved first, I'm secure first. My identity in God is, is present, it's, it's there before I can get my act together. The difference that I think it'll make to this is that, again, going back to that idea that it's practices, not intentions, I have to change the way I live if I want to experience the type of life that God promised. So I can say to you, be patient. And so you can walk out of here saying, I'm gonna be patient. And next time someone does it, you're like, I'm being patient, I'm sucking it up, I'm counting to 10. Guys, that's just willpower. But if, but if I'm gonna to continue to live a life that doesn't get enough sleep, because I'm so insecure that I have to keep working longer hours, I don't, I'm not securing God, that's the difference Jesus makes. No, 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 I can work hard, but Psalm, I think it's 123, says something along the lines of, of that it is, f- like, 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 why? Why wake early and go to bed late working, like, so anxiously when God gives rest to those he loves? So, that doesn't mean you don't work hard, but, no, no, but there are appropriate boundaries. If, if I'm not allowing God to change my heart and I'm constantly chasing all kinds of other stuff to make me feel better about myself, to make me feel like I'm worthy, then, then as much as my intention is to be patient with those closest to me, I'm just telling you that there are days where I know I want to be patient, but it's hard to be patient. And it's not because, of, it's not because my knowledge has changed, it's because I'm not living the lifestyle that God wants me to live. And I'm convinced that many well-meaning Christians who want to be the best versions of themselves are not struggling to be that version because they don't believe correctly or because they don't pray hard enough or wish hard enough or have strong enough intentions. We're not experiencing that because we're not actually following his wisdom and his principles of living in a way that actually allows me appropriate margin. We're not talking about laziness, appropriate margin. Where I'm, not, where I'm not committing to more than I can actually 
sustain and still be loving and patient and kind. Is this making sense? You can, you can memorize scripture until you blew in the face. If you don't obey and apply scripture, you're not going to be patient and you're not going to be kind. You can be a version of it, you can fake it for a while, but those who are closest to us know the truth. Love is present, love is patient, and lastly, love is kind. The worship team can come on up, if that's what we're doing. (laughs) To be kind is to be proactive. It's okay, we can just stick with Sharice over here. Sharice is going to tickle the ivories. Sharice Fanemanenis. To be patient is how we are reactive. To be kind is how we are proactive. So kindness, again, what difference does Jesus make? Well, we look at how he has treated us regardless of what we deserve. So he's our model. And guys, I've got to tell you, it's hard for me to treat people sometimes better than what they deserve. I have, a, I have like a huge quotient of justice that I think, you know, is right and wrong in my mind. It is so hard. So, 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 if, so again, without God, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to be kind to you as long as you deserve it. I'm going to be kind to you as long as I think it might change you. And, you, and, and maybe, I, I mean, we're not conscious about this, but like, actually, subconsciously, I want to manipulate you or control you. So is kindness there to control a person? Because that's not generosity. That's not a gift. That's actually, I'm giving you something at a cost. It's probably going to cost you more than you even realize, if that's, if that's what I'm doing with kindness. So when you're kind to your family, someone in your family, but they don't respond the way you want them to, whoo does that taste your heart. See, and that's the difference. That's the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. Jesus has experienced the most bitter betrayal by Peter. And when he is raised from the dead on the third day, he says, hey, go tell my disciples and Peter. The kindness of God, by the way, is actually what leads us to repentance. Not the shame and the condemnation of God. The Bible says that it's the kindness of God. It's the goodness of God. So I'm just telling you that in my opinion, it is impossible to love your family the way that God wants you to love your family without you allowing him to love you more first. I'll say it again. It is impossible for you to love your family the way that God wants you to love your family without you first allowing God to love you more. When, when I, and again, that's why it comes down to slowing down. The way we live, am I slowing down enough? Am I getting present enough with God on a consistent basis to allow him to remind me of how good he is, whether or not I do what I should or shouldn't. How kind he is, whether I do it. Where I will slow down enough to look at God looking at me with love. If I will allow God to love me more. It's not that he can love me more. No, no, will I allow him to love me more? He can't love me more. You know what I'm saying, right? Nothing you can do can make him love you more. Nothing you can do can make him love you less. But, but will I allow him to love me more? You'll be amazed at how that'll melt your heart how it'll shift our perspective over time. So give it time. Start where you are, not where you want to be. Pursue progress, not perfection. But over time, over time, 
allowing God to do what only He can do in my heart will help us to be, because we're gonna, we, we wanna be present. Like I'm, all of a sudden I'm feeling more gratitude for, for, for what God has given me instead of constantly being distracted by what else I think might bring me joy in my life. No, no, I'm actually gonna be present because, because cause, cause as when I'm slowing down to be with God, He's reminding me of what I have. Guys, if you want the life of Jesus, don't only settle for the truth of Jesus, commit also, surrender also to the way of Jesus. Along with the truth, and you will experience the life. Come on, stand up with me. I wanna pray for us. Holy smokes, the time has gone fast, and there's so much more. Come on, just, if you're willing to do this, close your eyes, open your hands just as a sign of surrender. Can we slow down for a moment? Can we be quiet for a moment? And before you even think of applying this, just say, God, help me to look at you, looking at me with love. Not with shame, not with condemnation, with love. God, you are all of these things. You are very present. You are patient. And you are kind. God, help us to see where you may be inviting us to make a change to the way we live so that we can actually be who you've called us to be. So that we can be who we actually want to be deep down. We wanna be people of peace. We wanna be people of joy. We wanna be people of grace. We wanna be people of love. God, I'm sure that there's so many of us that want to be present, patient and kind. Please help us to see your vision for that. But please, this week, this week, today, tomorrow, God, help us to recognize little signs from you where you're not only reminding us of the goal and the vision, but where you're also giving us wisdom to say, see, when you went to bed too late, that's when, that's when you're more irritable in the morning. Or when you spend so many hours binge-watching or meditating on terrible news or social media, that's when your soul was just that little bit more empty. And we cannot give what we do not possess. So God, help us to order our lives to be loved by you so that we can love others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I cannot encourage you enough as you go into this week. Please don't just be a hearer of the word. Be diligent, be a doer, put it into practice. And I wanna encourage you, if you are someone that's wanting to begin a relationship with God, you can just start talking. You can just, you can just respond to whatever you think He's making you aware of. You can invite Him into your life. You can begin that journey, but I wanna encourage you to take a practical step. And that's to either scan your phone over the QR code in the chair in front of you, 
or if you're online watching, you can just go to the connect with us button and let us know that you're wanting to know more about our relationship with God and allow us to send you some information and to walk with you. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling, I promise you, it is impossible to love like God loves unless we're actually growing in a, in a life-giving, very present relationship with God. Agreed? God bless you. Have a great Sunday and a great week ahead.